good to see each of you here this morning. And if this is your first time here at NCC, or if you're watching this later this week for the first time and you're just tuning in, we just want to welcome you once again and say thank you for joining us. My name is Aaron, and I'm the lead pastor here at New Community Church. And we're glad that you're with us for this Celebration Sunday where we're talking about what God is doing. We're celebrating um, new life through the children that God has brought into our church and so many different ways to celebrate. And so I thought, what a great Sunday to share with you this message I'm calling Nobody Dances Anymore. I remember the first time that I saw that music video that you guys saw and I heard that song and it just got me thinking, yeah, sometimes we get to a place in our life where maybe we take ourselves a little bit too serious, okay? Maybe we're too busy and we, forgot to, we forget to stop, to celebrate, to remember, to dance. And that's something that I think God wants us to do. I can remember when our children were younger, and I'm going to embarrass my daughter, Angela, um, loved to dance around, okay? She's right here right now. Um, she's 16. But whenever she was three or four, when uh, a you know, a Disney movie would come on and the princess would dance. Angela was right in front of the TV and she was twirling around and jumping up and down. And, and um, she wanted to be in that moment. Now, her older brothers did not like that, okay? So they would yell, Angela, get out of the way. But she didn't care. Like, she wasn't concerned what anyone else was doing in that moment. She wanted to be caught up in the magic of that moment. And so she would dance whenever the music would start and right in front of the TV and I thought, you know what? We lose that sometimes as adults. Just kind of that moment, being caught up in the moment of celebrating what's going on, of kind of forgetting what's happening around us and just dancing. And so I want us to look at scripture this morning and what the Bible says about this God who has called us to celebrate. And I'm gonna, give, I'm gonna walk us through a number of passages in the Bible. You may not be able to turn to all of these, but you can write them down and go back this later this week because we're gonna look at a God who wants us to celebrate. A God who challenges us to party and to dance and to declare his goodness. This is the God that we see over and over again in scripture encouraging us to do this. And so I want us to be reminded of this. I was thinking this week because I was having a conversation with one of our older sons who's in the Marine, and um, he's had a super hard week, 10 days of intense training, and he said, Dad, I was just resting today, and I felt so guilty, like I need to be doing something. And I thought, yeah, that's how so many of us are. Like even after a long week or, or intense kind of season of our life, we still feel like, hey, we need to do something. And I just reminded Josiah, hey, what's the first thing, the first kind of example that God sets for men and women. It's rest. It's Sabbath. After six days of creating, Adam and Eve are created on the sixth day. And on the seventh day, the first thing that they see God do is to pause, to stop, to stop producing, to stop working. And he sets this example of rest where we're called to rest, where we're called to come together in moments like this and sing and declare the Lord's goodness, to declare his faithfulness, to remember, to celebrate, and to praise God for what it is that he's done. I don't know if you know this or not, but God did not create Sundays for NFL football, okay? It's a great thing on Sundays to see Dak throw that touchdown pass, okay? But that's not actually why God created Sundays for us. He created this day, this rhythm in our week, if you will, where we would rest, where we would stop working. Even in busy seasons of our life, 
and where we would pause and reflect on the goodness of God. And so I want us to look at this God that calls us to celebrate. If you have your Bibles, turn this morning to Exodus chapter 23 and verse 14, and we're going to look at this idea of God challenging us telling us to not fall into that trap where nobody dances anymore, but he's calling us to celebrate and to rejoice. So Exodus chapter 23, verse 14, hold on to that for just a moment. And in case you don't know what's going on in the story, the people of God here in the book of Exodus, they've come out of slavery. They went to a land of Egypt because there was a famine and Egypt had a lot of food. And so God used Egypt to provide But after a generation, no one really knew about the people of God. And so in Egypt, they enslaved them 400 years. Think about that. Generation after generation after generation, they were slaves. And then God raises up Moses. Moses delivers them. And as God is bringing them out of slavery and getting ready to take them into the promised land, the land that he's calling them to, he says, hey, I got to change some of your mindsets. You've been thinking a certain way for 400 years, for generations now, and I've got to change some of those patterns of thinking. You can't enter into the promised land still with that slavery mindset. I got to do something. And so he gives them these instructions. As part of these instructions, listen to what it is that he tells his people. Here's something you can't forget in Exodus 23, 14. Three times in the year, you shall keep a feast to me. Have you ever thought of God saying that to you? Hey, three times a year, you've got to stop and party. You just got to stop and celebrate. Like, I'm just going to write it into the calendar because I know you're going to get busy. I know you're going to get stressed out. And so let me tell you what kind of God that I am. I'm the God that throws parties. I'm the God that tells my people, wait, stop, eat some delicious food, get around some people that you love, just remember and celebrate. And so you're going to throw a feast. You're going to do this a number of times in the year. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. As I commanded you, you shall not eat unleavened or you shall eat unleavened bread, for these are the seven days appointed to you in the month of Abib, where you came out of Egypt. So this is when God delivered them. None of you shall appear before me empty-handed. And so you're to bring an offering to God. The second feast, you shall keep the feast of harvest. So the first fruits of your labor, what you sow in the fields, you shall keep the feast of end gatherings. So when it's payday, when it's pay time, at the end of the year, you're gonna gather all the fields of your fruit, of your labor, and you're going to celebrate three times in the year, all your males shall appear before the Lord. Now, I don't know if you've ever stopped and read a verse like that and thought about that. What God is telling his people to do is, hey, you're going to stop and you're going to celebrate. You're going to throw this festival. You're going to throw this celebration. And I need you to do this at least three times a year. And as we go on, we're going to see that he, he actually tells them to do this more. But he says, you're going to do this. And why? Well, because for 400 years, they had a mindset that all my worth, everything that I do, life is just about producing. It's about working. 365 days a year, seven days a week, a slave does not get a day off. And for generation, now to generation, to generation, there's this mindset that all my worth has to do with what it is that I build. And God says, that's not who I'm calling you to be. See, there's a cultural mindset, there's a world around you that has told you something about your identity, and that's not the kind of God that I am. And so I've got to rework some of your thinking. And so I'm telling you, 
already set it up in your calendar, there are going to be moments in the year where you pause and where you reflect on the goodness of God. There are going to be moments where you stop working and you remember just how great God is and what I've done for you. And so he says that to them. You're going to throw a party. Don't fall into the mindset where you stop dancing, but learn to celebrate, learn to rejoice. In Exodus chapter 34, a few chapters ahead, he tells them this, even at the most busiest season, watch this, when you're plowing, when it's harvest time, when you're gathering all of the crops that you've worked all year long, when the project is due and the deadlines are there, you better stop and celebrate. Don't just pass it over because you're in a busy time. You better stop and you better rejoice. You better remember, get with other people and begin to declare the goodness of God. And so even in the midst of harvest time, you're going to dance. You're going to sing. You're going to celebrate. You're going to declare the goodness of God. In Leviticus chapter 23, he tells them to take a whole week. He says, this isn't just a day celebration. This is an entire week long celebration. There is going to be a festival. And then listen to this. This is a lasting ordinance. He's saying, you better teach your kids how to celebrate. Church, I'm telling you, the only time your kids see you worship, it better not just be in this room. We need to, as parents, as leaders, as family members, we need to be setting that example of worship of praise towards God, not just in a setting like this, not just when we gather together on Sunday mornings. He's saying this is a lasting ordinance from generation to generation. Grandparents, you need to be teaching your grandkids. Parents, you need to be teaching your kids, aunts, uncles, teaching your nieces and your nephews how to celebrate, how to party, how to rejoice in God. This is the kind of God that we serve. He's saying, I'm telling you, take a whole week and do this, and you're going to pass this on to your kids. He goes on and on to talk about this over and over and over again. While he's giving his people, hey, there's a new way to live, he's reminding them. In verse 39 of Leviticus chapter 23, or yeah, 23, he just lists them. He says, there's the Feast of Tabernacles, the Day of Tabernacles, the Day of Atonement. There's the Sacred Assembly. There's the Feast of Trumpets. There's the Feast of First Fruits. There's the Passover. And then get this, and then there's the Sabbath. Every single day or every single week, you're to take one day and you're to pause. You're to celebrate. You're to rejoice. You're to dance. You're to declare my goodness. This is what God is saying. We need this rhythm inside of our life. But we don't. We fall into, once again, busyness, the stress of life, what's going on, and we forget how to dance. We forget how to sing. We forget how to rejoice, how to enjoy the life that God has given us, and this is the mindset that God is trying to get us out of and to remind us to rejoice and celebrate. What did these celebrations look like? Well, it wasn't just a kind of a quick thing that you just brushed past or that you just quickly got through. This was something that took time. It took planning like it took effort on your part to get ready. And so if we lived in ancient Israel, if we lived at this time that God is talking about where he's first giving this to his people, it would have meant that maybe the week before you're buying supplies, you're getting food ready. Okay, you didn't just throw things in the back of the minivan and drive the 100 miles to Jerusalem. Like it, it took planning and effort on your part and you would leave your town in like a caravan. The entire town would shut down for this week. 
I mean, signs are getting hung on businesses. Doors are being closed. Like, we're gone for the week. We're in Jerusalem celebrating, partying, rejoicing, declaring the goodness of God. This is what we're doing. And so you would start to leave with family members, with friends, with other people from your town. And you would begin to walk the 20, 30 miles, however long it took you to get to Jerusalem. And I want you to just imagine that. You're walking. Kids are singing. Kids are dancing. They're jumping up and down. You come over the top of a mountain and now you can start to hear it. They're what's known as the songs of ascent. You can see them in the book of Psalms. And all of a sudden, on the mountaintop ahead of you, you see that other town, you see family members, you see people up there, and you can begin to hear them. And over and over again, they're declaring the goodness of God. And someone yells out, this is the God who delivered us out of Egypt, and everyone begins to just scream out, his love endures forever. And then someone else yells, this is the God who fed us in the desert. His love endures forever. This is the God who defeats our enemy. His love endures forever. This is the God who redeems us and saves us. His love endures forever. Mile after mile heading towards Jerusalem, climbing up these mountains, the people of God are declaring, they're singing, they're dancing, they're celebrating the goodness of God. There's even this story about King David, this well-known king, that as he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, the symbol of God's presence into Jerusalem, that he dances in such a way that people start getting offended. His own wife says, you're embarrassing yourself, David. Like, why are you singing like that? Why are you dancing like that? You're like a madman. And David says, when it comes to God, I'll become more undignified than this. You haven't seen anything yet when it comes to me celebrating, when it comes to me dancing, when it comes to me singing of God, I'm not gonna stop because he realized the goodness of God. This is the kind of God that we serve that encourages his people to do this, that tells us to do this. And so you arrive in Jerusalem at this celebration and every good party has what, you guys? Food, okay? In case you didn't know that, let me just tell you again, every good party has food, okay? We see that in the Bible. So these festivals, you were at this giant table. Maybe you're at family's house or maybe you're at friend's house surrounding the city of Jerusalem and you're eating together. And all of a sudden, someone turns to the person sitting across from you, an older guy with a long white beard, and he says, you remember the story, tell it again this year, of the walls coming down at Jericho. Tell us how God's people walked around the city and God fought the battle for them. Hey, you remember the story of God feeding the people of Israel manna in the desert when there was no food that God just made it appear on the ground and they had food to eat for 40 years. You remember their clothes not wearing out. You remember God's provision providing water from a rock when they were thirsty. Tell that story again. Would you tell it again? And over and over again for that week, they're rehearsing, they're remembering, they're declaring. Yeah, it's been a rough year, but man, God's come through so many times in the past. I know he's going to do it again. I know he's going to come through again. This is the God who commands us to dance, who tells us to celebrate and to rejoice. This is what we see over and over again in scripture. And a matter of fact, in Numbers chapter 9, there's this caution from God. And he says, if you're a follower of me, if you're coming after me, and yet you don't know how to celebrate, 
you need to be careful because there's this chance that you could be cut off from my people. The fact that if we don't rejoice, if we don't pause, if we don't reflect, if we don't praise God, if we don't celebrate, if we don't dance, that at some point it could feel like we're on the outside, everyone else is on the inside, and that we've distanced ourselves from God. That's how important God says this is. You've got to learn to praise me. You've got to learn to celebrate. You've got to learn to rejoice and to declare, my goodness, God knew that we would get to these points in our life where We didn't feel like we could dance, and so he reminds us over and over again. Now, you could be sitting here and saying, but Aaron, it's summertime in Texas, and it's hot. And so when I went to the mailbox and pulled out my electricity bill, oh man, this has not been a good week. Or maybe this week your boss came to you and piled on the work. And you already have so much. And he said, hey, I've got, you've got to get this done and you've got to get this done. Hey, I need you working on this. And you're thinking, man, I don't know. I don't know if I can do all of this. Maybe it's a relationship in your life. Someone that you're close to that, that maybe there's been a rift in that relationship. And, and this week you were just reminded of that. And there's pain there. And I'm telling you, that's why God tells us to stop and celebrate. It's even in those moments that God says, I want you to sing. Even in those moments where the boss comes to you and and says, hey, you've got more work, that's when I want you to stop and I want you to dance. And I want you to remember my goodness. Because if we're not careful, church, we're like the Israelites, we can fall into a slavery mindset. My value and my worth is just based off of what I produce. My only goal here in this life is to get things done. And God's saying, I gotta change that mindset. I got to do something different with that because your life is not just wrapped around work or what you do. I've identified you as my own. You're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. I'm the God that dances with you. And so I want you to join with me even in these difficult moments that you would stop and that you would dance, that you would sing. And so we see this in Psalms chapter 68. Get this, in Psalms chapter 78 verse 4. In Psalms 22, verse 22, in Psalms 145, verses 6 through 8, and in so many other places, I don't have time to list them all, the psalmist starts to write, hey, I'm going to declare of your good works. God, it's been a bad week, but I'm still going to praise you. God, I've been going through some things in my life, and I can't even tell you how it's going to turn out, but hear this, God, I'm never going to stop declaring your mighty works to the next generation. I'm never going to stop telling other people of how good and how awesome and how great you are, Lord. No matter what I'm going through time and time again, I'm going to be someone who sings. I'm going to be someone who dances. I'm going to be someone who celebrates, God, your goodness, because, Lord, I realize how good you are. I'm never going to stop dancing, God. And there is. There's brokenness in our world. The Bible promises that you're going to go through difficult times. You're going to go through rough seasons there's going to be hard moments. I was reading an article um, about a young lady who experienced abuse in her life. Sexual abuse, physical abuse. She had gone through so much. And yet people around her were astonished at the way that she worshiped, the way that she praised God. And when her friends asked her about this and said, why do you do that? This is what she said. We all have to find a way to survive in life. You're going to go through some stuff, 
and you got to find a way to get through it. But listen to this. But we don't have to be miserable as we do it. This is someone who had experienced abuse and loss and betrayal and broken trust in their life. And she's saying, yeah, we're all going to go through some pretty bad stuff in this lifetime. But we get to choose how we go through it. We don't have to be miserable as we walk, even through the difficulties of life. And so she said, I'm going to choose to praise him. I'm going to choose to sing about God. I'm going to choose to focus on his goodness and to declare his greatness. I'm going to choose to dance and to sing. And why is it so important? Why does God tell us time and time again, hey, you pause, you reflect, you remember, you declare the goodness of God. Why over and over and over again in scripture does God say this is so important? Remember, tell these stories again. Because you guys, when we stop dancing, betrayal wins. Brokenness wins, pain wins. But when we continue to praise in the midst of the difficulty, it tells our enemy, Satan, you don't have the final word in my life. This is not how the story ends. I may be going through some difficulty right now, but this is not the way the story ends. My God will be victorious. My God will be the winner. My God is throwing a party and I'm going to celebrate and I'm going to rejoice with him because of his goodness and his faithfulness. And it's that reminder that evil does not get the final say in this world, you guys, that God does, that he is victorious and he's invited us into the celebration. Church, can we just put our hands together and celebrate the God who delivers us and brings freedom in our life? And so that's what we see again, over and over again in scripture. This is the God who celebrates. This is the God who dances. This is the God who invites us into his story of what he's doing. And so I want to encourage you with this. Let me paint one last picture for you. I want you to imagine that we've come to the end of this life and we're in heaven together. And the Bible describes heaven like a party that heaven is a celebration of God's goodness. And so just imagine what I've described, what the people of God were doing, and we get to do this for all eternity with people that we love, with family members. And so we're in heaven, and the Bible says it's the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so what does every good party have? Food. There you go. You guys are getting it, okay? So food. So there is the best Texas barbecue, okay, that we are eating the best Mexican food, okay? Bigger burritos than Chipotle right there on the table, okay? And, and we're eating and we're celebrating and you're sitting across from Paul and you're like, Paul, tell me that story again where God broke the chains in prison because you were worshiping and praising. Peter, tell me that story again where you looked at that lame man and you said, I don't have silver and I don't have gold, but what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. And he started dancing. Peter, tell us that story. What was that like? And you're remembering and you're declaring the goodness of God. And then it starts the singing, the celebration. I think you're going to look up and there's going to be a massive choir there. And you're going to see a Mexican with an Afro that cannot sing that well but he snuck in the choir in heaven, okay? I'm believing it's gonna happen. And all of a sudden, the singing starts and the celebration starts. And as you're picturing this moment, the question I wanna ask you is, will it be awkward for you? Will you, like God warns us, will you have somehow placed yourself on the outside? 
Because while you were here on earth, you never practiced singing. You never practiced clapping your hands. You never practiced dancing. And I know in our minds so many times we think, well, it'll just all magically change. And yes, I know we'll be changed when we get to heaven. But church, I don't want to wait. I don't want to get there and somehow be on the outside because I never did what God told me to while I was here on this earth. See, I want us to be a church that knows how to dance. And I want us to be a church that knows how to sing, that knows how to celebrate. We have to practice this because we're going to go to a party. We're going to a celebration in heaven. There's going to be amazing food and there's going to be us declaring the goodness of God. And we want to be ready for that moment. And this is the kind of God that we serve, that we serve, who invites us into his party and he invites us into his celebration and he tells us to dance and he tells us to sing because he is a good God and he's faithful and he's our deliverer and he's our redeemer. And so I thought, what better way to respond this morning than just practicing that? And so in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand up and we're going to sing this song that we sing here at this church. It says, I raise a hallelujah. In the presence of my enemy, my weapon is a melody. And that's what we're going to do. We're just going to declare the goodness of God. Maybe you're going through a difficult time, and I want to tell you if you are, just sing all the louder. Maybe you usually stand there, and maybe this time you'll just start to move your feet a little bit, okay? Maybe you'll start to clap your hands a little bit. Whatever you need to do, lift up your voice, declare the goodness of God. We want to sing this morning like we're joining in with all of heaven to celebrate with the God who throws parties and who says, I'm your deliverer, I'm your redeemer, I'm the God who's given you all of, your, all of my provisions, all of the riches of heaven, and I'm inviting you into this party. So church, let's do that this morning. Go ahead and stand to your feet. And we're going to declare that together this morning. We're going to sing of the goodness of God. So lift up your voice and let's do this.